What does J.D. McKissick's potential return in Washington mean for Antonio Gibson's ADP? How can going early quarterback and early tight end pay off for high-stakes drafters this season? And should Tyreek Hill or Justin Jefferson be going off the board first in the 2022 FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament? Plus the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship $100,000 runner-up Jeff Volpe rejoins the broadcast to talk about his Bengals receiver conundrum, his assessment of the Patriots' backfield, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the lesson. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Hey, thanks so much, Robin. Thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome into the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented to you once again by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I was catching up on some work before the show tonight, getting ready for the program, obviously, and I had a movie on, and I can't remember if we've actually talked about this in person on the show or at all, but a movie that I think I'm sure you've seen, and I'm sure you dig, but man, I forgot what a tremendous flick Almost Famous was, and it just ended just as the show was starting. Have you ever seen that? Do you like that movie? Oh, Balky, I saw it. At, um, I saw it the day it came out at the theater at, at the 11 a.m. showing, and it's just fantastic. Great soundtrack, great acting, and you know, the Hudson girl. Who's, who's truly playing her own life because at, at that time she was following the band and, and, and involved with one of the lead singer from County, uh, Black Crows. And yeah, it's, it's just a great movie. Everything about it's wonderful. It touches on, on uh, journalism and relationships and, and being raised by a single mom and the experience of having a very hot sister. You know, all of it. It comes together beautifully. <laughs> Yeah, the acting was great, tremendous. I mean, a star. I mean, I I went out, and I went and looked at the cast, and I was like, oh my goodness, I recognize almost two dozen of these actors from different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, obviously, stand-up comedians, Jimmy Fallon and Mitch Hedberg in this movie. You had, um, uh, uh, you know, the musicians in this flick. You had um, Oscar royalty and Francis McDormand, Billy Crudup, Patrick Fugit. Um, tremendous movie, and uh, nominated for four Oscars too, which I didn't realize. In any event. Um, this concludes the cinematic portion of the High Stakes <laughs> Fantasy Football Hour. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to discuss, as we get into the fantasy football portion, we're going to talk about how you should handle your Packers and your Buccaneers in the never-too-early FFPC best ball tournament with questions at quarterback for both of those squads. And then Jeff Volpe is going to drop in to tell us how he won hundred grand for getting second place in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. Give a shout-out to the chat room right now, Hudson Kern-Reeve, Dave Gerzak, uh, hanging out in there right now. The show, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we, at a- we are at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. Um, Jeff Volpe is on Twitter at Harvester of Sorrow, but you've got to take out the first A <laughs> and the second E, and then it's Harvester of Sorrow on that. So it's basically Harvester of Sorrow. Um, it's a Metallica reference. Farrell has his Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship over at KFFSC.com. Proud to say that I am signed up for the Super Sunday uh, Championship draft that is going on um, on uh, Sunday, yeah, Sunday evening, 8 o'clock Eastern, and there's only two spots left. So if you have not signed up for that, 
jump in now. It is the aptly named Bart Starr division um, after uh, one of the top three quarterbacks in Packers history. Uh, that is going on 8 o'clock uh, p.m. Sunday night. I'll be drafting in that. We got a lot of – I mean, I looked at the, at the roster in that. Bip Lab Mandel is in that. I think uh, Scott Connor and Jay Reed are in that, amongst other KFFSC royalty in there. So that is going to be a lot of fun. Check that out on KFFSC.com. Uh, we will uh, do our best to get to all your tweets, your questions, everything in the uh, fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. You can send those emails in to highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com, 347-426-3682-347, game over. If you want to give us a buzz tonight, and, uh, and we, will, uh, we will do our best to get you on the air. Um, I want to give a shout-out to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, our producer mutual friend Rob as well, as they are working hard tonight. Uh, listen, everybody, want to make a couple of things um, totally prevalent at the top of the show. 2022 FFPC main event, a million-dollar grand prize, $1 million. Sign up for that at myffpc.com. Get in on that early bird deadline. And then don't forget about saving 500 bucks off uh, each additional team you sign up for as well. That's at myffpc.com. The Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament is popping off drafts all the time. Take a shot at $25,000 in that. Dynasty Orphans at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. Some fresh orphans just got posted on there. Some really good deals. So make sure you're checking that out if you want to expand your territory, if you want to pick up. Uh, some extra fantasy football teams that you can manage year-round. And then also don't forget about slow live sit-and-go best ball options all with the FFPC uh, at myffpc.com. And I just mentioned the Super Sunday Championship League, kffsc.com, only two spots remaining in that. Uh, Let's get into the fantasy flash as we kick things off from Indianapolis tonight. Bob Kravitz, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for the Athletic Bureau, says it's, quote, virtually impossible for the Colts to bring back Carson Wentz in 2022 now uh, Kravitz is pretty plugged in with the Colts he's covered them for numerous years he said what the term he used for Wentz is quote as good as gone now his 15 million dollar salary becomes fully guaranteed uh, in a couple of weeks and Frank Reich Chris Ballard the general manager and then Jim Ursay um, have had the opportunity to make sure that that to, to let Carson know he, uh, he Carson Wentz know he is their guy none of them have taken advantage mm-hmm. of that um, according to Kravitz, Carson Wentz's uh, refusal to be vaccinated um, may have played a factor in this. You remember that he missed um, that, that preparation time against the Raiders late in the season. That, apparently that didn't sit well um, uh, with the Colts. I'm going to read the quote from Kravitz here. The Colts can't afford to run it back with Wentz, who never inspired all that much confidence from his teammates and his bosses during his time in Indy. Bring him back and you're courting full-scale disaster. A lot of quarterbacks on the open market right now, Farrell. Uh, and and or or if they're not available now, they they will be available uh, or should be available in the next uh, coming uh, weeks and months. So I guess the the question that fantasy owners have to decide is how does the uncertainty and this is going to be a familiar theme as we go through the fantasy flash. How does the uncertainty at quarterback affect what you do with guys like Michael Pittman, with guys um, you know, if you want to look at tight ends, talk about Jack Doyle. Um, the, the potential of maybe Allen Robinson going to Indianapolis. I guess that's a little bit more far-fetched at this point right now. But then, you know, people considering Jonathan Taylor at the 101, not knowing how his quarterback is. If you're drafting right now, how does this uncertainty affect you drafting these players, Farrell? Okay, I think of the two players you're talking about. Taylor is going to be the number one player unless uh, someone is playing multiple leagues and just uh, just wants to mix it up a little bit. And in Pittman's case, he'll be successful whoever is at quarterback. And Carson Wentz, you know, in, in the aggregate, the season it didn't look that bad. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That one interception where he was – that everybody has seen where he's about ready to be tackled for a sack and he throws the ball up and the guy catches it and gets a touchdown. That was against Tennessee or Jacksonville. I can't remember which one. But, you know, that alone was – the optics on that was just a complete definition of what this player's season is. He's such an enigma. It's a difficult thing. If Carson Wentz can't be successful here with the people that were in the front office and coaching, he's truly – football's biggest disappointment and the biggest victim of his stance with COVID. He's different from all these other quarterbacks. You talk about leadership. These quarterbacks that have a locker room presence that are sort of easygoing. We've seen that. 
uh, from Burrow, both on the field and off the field, but also a fiery competitor, teamwork, leadership. That's what all the top quarterbacks in the league are bringing to the table. Carson Wentz is losing in the locker room. He's losing with opportunities, people are giving him one. And Indianapolis may be in a situation where they will pay a, a big chunk of salary cap money for this player to play or at least be rostered somewhere else. But as far as what it does for Pittman and Taylor, not a thing. Draft them and draft them aggressively. Yeah, Michael Pittman um, in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, wide receiver 27 at the 604 right now. That's right behind Amon Ross St. Brown and Hunter Renfro, two standouts from 2021. And it's right ahead of Michael Thomas, the guy who let a lot of people down in 2021. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon Cooks and Brandon Ayuk. That is where Pittman is going in drafts right now. And obviously Jonathan Taylor, as you alluded to, Farrell, right now ADP of the 101 uh, going at running back one right ahead of uh, Christian McCaffrey moving on to Washington commanders football. I think that's the first time I've ever uttered that phrase on this show. The athletics Ben Standig uh, said uh, this week that uh, Washington wants to re-sign JD McKissick and then sign yet another running back this season. McKissick for the last two years has been the pass catching back in the Washington backfield. And uh, McKissick also says he wants to come back to the commanders this season. Now, if that does happen, you got to believe that Antonio Gibson's value might take a hit, um, and, and certainly another addition in the backfield might further hit it. Standing says this additional running back that could be added is, quote, uh, capable of spelling or taking over on early downs when Gibson sits. So I, I wouldn't say it's going to be a 1A and 1B uh, scenario, but certainly there is a non-zero chance of that happening. Antonio Gibson was really good in 2021. He was also really bad in 2021 at points. He was benched for fumbling and obviously not living up to the standard that Washington had um, in, in, in mind for him. And then if you look at how he ended the season, and maybe this is inflating his ADP a little bit, finished it really strong um, and, and looked really, really good uh, in the season's last month. He's obviously going to be the starter. Um, however, is is his um is the touches the amount of touches that he's going to have this year going to be affected by the um reacquisition of JD McKissick and then the acquisition of another running back could be a free agent could be somebody they get in the draft Farrell running back 13 for Antonio Gibson right now he goes right at the end of the second round to me I, I don't think that's a reach uh, at that point 12 running backs are going ahead of him but I think you do have to temper your expectations a little bit there I think perhaps you do, and McKissick's production last year was impressive, and based on uh, him missing some time as well, he's going to continue to catch the ball well and score it. But I think here, you know, Bucky, your first question about what do you do with players in Indianapolis with the quarterback situation, I think I'd throw that same question back at you and say you're really gambling with Gibson um, or any uh, of the uh, commanders, um players because you don't know much about quarterback. And if you assume that they get one of the rookies, uh, my my favorite pick for this team would be Matt Corral. Here's a guy that knows how to move the ball down the field and, and, and score the ball and, and run pass option. He would be he, he would cause fits to defenses. And if you were to feed the ball then to Gibson and get Gibson and McKissick, uh, involved in that type of passing game, it could be a, a fantasy football payoff uh, like we have not seen from the Washington backfield. So uh, I think a lot to, uh, about these two players, uh, will, questions will be answered in the NFL draft. And those that are drafting him at 13 uh, could be very happy uh, when they see what uh, what the team looks like as it goes to camps this year. Speaking of running backs, the conversation in the chat room right now has indeed shifted uh, west to Seattle, talking about Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Now, Farrell, the big KFFSC Super Bowl blowout this past weekend, you had a ton of drafts going on uh, at at Mm -hmm. Caesar Southern Indiana, and um, two of the participants, Dave Gerzak, Hudson Kern-Reeve, talking about their Rashad Penny shares that they acquired out there. Uh, uh, Reeve getting a penny in one of his drafts and then Gerzak getting penny in a couple of their drafts. And they're a little surprised that 
he's not going higher in uh, FFPC drafts right now. And as we look at Fantasy Mojo's ADP, which you can get, FantasyMojo.com. Make sure you're following Darren Armani on Twitter, at FantasyMojo. Shout out to him for all the great ADP data we cite on this show. Rashad Penny, running back 33 at the 810. Now, the, the guy who is starting there, or presumably starting, is Chris Carson, who just underwent neck surgery and certainly never been a bastion of health um, in, uh, in Seattle. He is going ahead, uh, or I beg your pardon, he is going behind um, uh, Rashad Penny right now, running back 42 at the 1105. To me, in an offense that puts such an emphasis, rightly or wrongly, on the running game, running back 33 for Rashad Penny, Seems like a pretty good bargain, my friend. Oh, I think it does, too. I'm surprised that, uh, matter of fact, in one of the drafts, and it might have been when Leroy um, uh, called out Rashad Penny's name, I automatically just said uh, that he's already been taken. And much to my uh, surprise, he wasn't. He was available. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's a good uh, – that backfield has always confused me. I've said that on the show many, many times. I never seem to hit with Seattle players, even in Metcalf's situation. I was either just missing or I would get him. I would play him. He wouldn't wouldn't perform. Uh, Lockett is hit or miss sometimes, but a great best ball player. I just – the team – and I think it has a lot to do with the division they're in and the schedule they have to play. Every week is a new adventure with this team. But if you can get Rashad Penny um, after the first five or six rounds as your number three running back, uh, that adventure becomes one I'm willing to take. As Dave Gerzak is uh, astutely pointing out in the chat room, uh, Rashad Penny, my mistake, the Seahawks actually declined his fifth-year option. He is a free agent right now. Now, the, 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 he knows the system in Seattle. Uh, Seattle's very mm-hmm. familiar with him. You would think the most likely scenario is him going back to Seattle, but not necessarily. Maybe he goes somewhere. You think about the emphasis that the Miami Dolphins are putting on the running game, hiring the running backs coach from, San Diego, uh, from uh, Los Angeles, from the Chargers, um, hiring Mike McDaniel uh, from the 49ers, who obviously um, puts a huge focus on the running game. Maybe they sign him as a free agent down there. He could go somewhere and really blossom. It remains to be seen where he ends up. Regardless, running back 33, I think everybody and their mother who is associated with this show this evening is saying Penny is a good value in the eighth round. A good value to bring up on the show right now, as always, is our guest, ladies and gentlemen. I want to introduce him tonight. He's been playing fantasy football for more than two decades at the high-stakes level for uh, more than 15 years. He got his best finish ever this past year when he won $100,000 for finishing in second place overall in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. You follow him on Twitter at Harvester of Sorrow. That's H-R-V-E-S-T-E-R of Sorrow. Please welcome back onto the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Jeff Volpe. Jeff, congratulations and welcome back to the show, dude. Hey, uh, it's great to be on, Volpe. Uh, good to talk to you again. And, uh, Farrell, it's nice to meet you. Same here, It's exciting. You know, anytime, Jeff, that, that we have a chance to talk, and I know you didn't win it, and I know you was very close, but you still pulled in six figures. Uh, so congratulations to you beating out thousands and thousands of other teams on that. That is quite the accomplishment. Can you share with us a little bit, uh, you know, give us a little bit of a look into your world uh, when it was week 17, you knew it was the final week. You're trying to get up to that mountaintop. Um, you knew you had Najee Harris going on Monday night, but I believe um, the, the winners who ended up uh, winning it, uh, uh, David and Andrews, who we had on this show about a month or so ago, they also had Najee Harris. So I think, I think you understood that going into Monday night, you couldn't win it. But what was it like watching the games uh, in week 17? Well, if you talk to my wife, she'd tell you that I woke her up. Uh, that, 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 that Monday night game went a little bit late, right? And uh, she was upstairs already in bed sleeping. And, uh, and uh, obviously, I had Najee going uh, for me that night. I think I started that night uh, in ninth place, I think it was. Um, I knew very well that I could uh, and very likely would pull into the top five. But I also knew I had, you know, with, with a great game from Najee, could pull up to number two. But uh, as you said, I knew I wasn't going to win it because uh, one of the teams in front of me, uh, the guys that you had on, they also had Najee going. And so I knew that that wasn't a possibility, um, even though it was only eight points behind him because he was the only guy I had going. But, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was exciting when uh, that third, and, I think it was third and one or third and two, 
Um, you know, they just needed that first down so they could run out the clock, and uh, they were probably just going to take a knee if they get it. And he doesn't get one or two yards. He busts it for 37 yards and a touchdown. And uh, <laughs> I just uh, I just got up, and I was screaming at the, <laughs> at the top of my lungs and woke my wife up. So um, she, she certainly appreciated that. I would have awakened the entire neighborhood. So, you know, I it would have been just nuts for me. Right. Congratulations. I'm so proud of that win for you and that that's really, really great. You know, I, I've i been playing fantasy football a while, and it, 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 the book, you know, what everyone says, the common knowledge is that you can go early on quarterback or, especially in the FFPC, you can go early on tight end. But you can't go early on both. Yeah, that's just mm-hmm. that's just in the book. And you did with this team. And I, I commend you for doing that. I told drafters this year to throw the book away. We talked, you know, with all the things about COVID and the new policies and things going there, you don't need a book. Draft the players you love. And that's obviously what you did. You went early quarterback, uh, you, getting Mahomes. You went early Andrews. Did you, did you see, going down the, the stretch, did you see that combination much at all in, like, the first top 25 teams? And, you know, based on the performance of those two players, man, that that had to be a great trip for you to, uh, with those two players that you could pencil in every week. Yeah, it definitely was, Farrell. I, I, you know, I went into my drafts like I do every year with kind of a specific strategy that then results in me, you know, targeting certain players, um, those mm-hmm. players I love, right, which is kind of what you said. Um, in the past, you know, there, there has been a book on how you do it. Um, I did throw the book out this year, and I did it on purpose. And I, my strategy was I was in my first five rounds. Um, I, was, I was basically going to get a quarterback. I was going to get a tight end and two receivers. And I was only going to take one running back in the first five rounds. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, got me there was just seeing the number of running backs over the years, whether it's Christian McCafferty here recently, Saquon Barkley, these guys that were drafted one or two right up there. And just, you know, that position, you know, you take a beating and uh, you're likely not going to play a full season. You're going to miss multiple games. uh, And and very likely you have a a higher chance of getting hurt. So why not take some of the the, the top targeted high-volume receivers um, get a get a get a quarterback and a tight end, and the way I targeted those players this year was I wanted high end guys. You know, the part of the book that you talk about with quarterbacks is hey, you can get anybody that scores you twenty points in a week, and there's really not that much difference between getting twenty and twenty seven, right? In, in in the scheme of things, but I will tell you this, and I think we we'd all agree that there's only a handful of quarterbacks that can get, give you that forty plus type game. Um, someone like a Mahomes, someone like an Allen. Um, someone like a, a Lamar Jackson, right, with his legs. So there's, mm-hmm. a, there's only a handful of guys that can get you that big game. And, uh, if, hey, if you're going to try to win it all, you got to go big or go home, right? Yeah, straight. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's the way to look at it, uh, you, you know, and, and when you're trying to win the big grand prize, uh, for sure. Um, I want to – so this is kind of an interesting question given what we saw um, this year and, and given what we see going forward in Cincinnati, but – at the 508 in this in this draft, Jeff, and I, I hope I'm not ripping any open wounds here, uh, but you had your choice of T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase. You ended up taking T. Higgins, and then Chase went uh, at the 509, very next pick. Can you tell us a little bit about the thought process that you had when you decided to go with T. Higgins there over any other receivers, including Jamar Chase? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, obviously, the season played out. Um, I, I, that, that, that hurts a little bit. Um, but I, I went into that pick um, um, targeting um, a couple different players, um, and both of those Cincinnati receivers were among who I was trying to look to get there. Um, I also knew that it, whether that the prior round, the fourth pick, um, you know, if I hadn't already taken the tight end, I might be looking tight end there. Um, maybe someone like a Mark Andrews if he came back around or TJ Hawkinson. But nevertheless, obviously, I, I, I was sitting there. I had both those receivers. And I went with Higgins um, just because, you know, he had chemistry with Burrow the year before. And I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe Jamar Chase was coming off of an injury um, where he didn't get to play too much in the preseason. And so, um, you know, you didn't really get to take much of a look. Now, obviously, all of us that follow college football as well know he had great chemistry with Burrow there. 
and had a great season. So it wasn't a talent issue. It was, you know, is it going to take him a while to get into the system and get up to speed versus T. Higgins already knew the system, right? Um, obviously, again, Jamar had the, had the big year. But, um, you know, T. was a starter for me all year, and uh, he had a couple big games himself. So, you know, it's not a complete loss. <laughs> well, I and, remember, and I remember also, too, I think so- – Go ahead, Farrell, because I think you were going to say the same well, thing as I. Well, I think <laughs> our memories might be the – Balky, our memories might be the same. As, as some doofus uh, with a couple weeks in camp uh, wrote that uh, Jamar Chase could no longer catch the ball. He was dropping everything yep. thrown to him. And that became a narrative against people that uh, uh, were looking for something negative to put on one of the most elite receivers coming in the league. And, uh, yeah, so I doubt it. I doubt it that had anything to do with just decision, but it did. It did with some people, and I was glad to see Chase maybe sometimes come to me because people listen to such nonsense. <laughs> well, it, 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 listen, there, there, there's, uh, we're always looking for value, uh, right? And, and <laughs> Jamar Chase ended up uh, becoming a value, obviously, uh, last year. That wasn't the only receiver, um, speaking of Higgins Farrell, that wasn't the only receiver that Jeff decided to go with here on his team. He took a different rookie in uh, round 13. Now, you know, Jeff, this is, a, this is a player that I have big questions about this year, and I, I was glad to see this player on your roster. Uh, you were not, and uh, I'm curious what you think <laughs> about him in the future, and that's Terrence Marshall. Now, I was trying to understand how bad a draft pick Terrence Marshall was for fantasy players as well as the NFL team. And so I went to the draft and I looked over the NFL draft. And after Terrence Marshall, you're hard pressed to find some wide receivers that contributed um, to fantasy players and to their NFL teams. I, after Marshall, Josh Palmer came to mind, a good developing player for the Chargers. Nico Collins, who flashed a little bit at the end of the year, and the kid Swartz from Cleveland, very, very speedy player that uh, Baker Mayfield couldn't get the ball to. So you take those three players, and then you get at the very, very end, you'll find one Ben Skoranek, which is a whole other conversation. But my point is this. If fantasy <laughs> players give up on Terrence Marshall after what they saw last year, it would be equivalent to the NFL uh, giving up on their entire draft of rookie receivers. We just finished this first uh, drafting of the year, first live drafting at our Super Bowl party here at the KFFC, and I saw rookie receivers just filling up the boards. So uh, my question is a little bit, you know, what are you going to do with Marshall in the future? How quickly will you go to filling up your 2022 FFPC teams with rookie receivers after we just went through a litany of guys who were fairly big names in college that did very little for fantasy ball in 2021. Yeah, for sure. And I think anytime you talk about rookie ride wide receivers, uh, you're talking about, you know, um, you know, upside, right. Trying to get some value Mm -hmm. there. Um, You know, he wasn't somebody I was going to draft inside of round 10, but he was somebody I was targeting those mid-teen rounds um, amongst amongst some other rookie wide receivers as well. So I'm I'm, I'm certainly not put off on that. I think that, uh, again, you can get great value if you hit on one of those guys. Now, you're not going to get maybe the top guy coming out like the kid coming out of Alabama this year, right? I mean, he's going to – He's probably going to go, and you can tell me what's he been going in your uh, in your in your early uh, drafts right now. The um, kid from Alabama, is he going inside the top ten rounds? I'm pretty sure he, he is. Balky West Darren got on it. This I, you know, are you talking about Jamison Williams? Yes. Yeah, Jamison Williams. Yeah. Well, so he's he's a wide receiver, sixty nine at the fifteen oh one in the FFPC Best Ball wow. uh, tournament right now. That that that's where we have him going. Yeah. Correct. So there you go. So um, I would look at him the same way as I looked at Marshall last year. Um, you know, Marshall flashed when he was at LSU. One of the reasons I liked him in Carolina, and you guys both know this, is Joe Brady went there, right? I mean, that's so there was that familiarity with the scheme, with the passing scheme, um, both in terms of Marshall with the scheme, and then also Brady's familiarity with, with, with Terrence Marshall. So I thought there might have been some chemistry there. Obviously, that didn't quite pan out. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that happened with that offense. Obviously, Christian McCafferty getting hurt didn't, didn't help things 
with some of the some of their plans and what uh, Brady wanted to do. And obviously Brady's not there anymore. So what what's going to happen to Marshall? Uh, great question. Um, I think the kid he's got lots of talent, right? Um, we saw that at LSU, um, but you know um, would I take him over somebody? Williams, um, depending on what team Jameson goes to. I think a lot of it depends on, you know, what's the quarterback going to be like that, that you're going to. And I do think that um, – um, um, oh, gosh, why, why am I forgetting his name? The, the Jets quarterback that the uh, the, the Carolina uh, wound up uh, getting. Uh, Sam Darnold. Why am I forgetting his name right? Yeah, Sam Darnold, thank you. I think Darnold's got some talent. Um, I just don't know that he was utilized in the best system in the best way up in New York. So – um, so I thought, you know, that was another piece of that. So I think with any of these rookie, rookie wide receivers, it kind of a little bit depends on the system and who the quarterback's going to be. But I mean, you know, when you're taking a, a, a SEC, you know, top receiver talent, um, you know, I think you, you, it, it's risk reward, right? Um, so that's kind of my thought process there. Talking with Jeff Volpe, the $100,000 runner-up in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship here on the HSFF Hour. This Friday night, um, Cordero Patterson, you owned him in a couple of your leagues last year, Jeff, and he's a free agent going into 2022. He has made no bones about it. He wants to be back in Atlanta. He wants Arthur Blank to give him that paycheck. Will the Falcons do it? I don't know. We'll see. Fantasy owners drafting him <laughs> as running back 35 at the 906 currently in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. Uh, Jeff, if you were drafting in this, is that a spot you'd be comfortable taking Cordero Patterson, a man without a team right now, in the middle of the ninth round after 34 other running backs go off the board? Yeah. Um, one of those, one of those uh, million-dollar questions, right? I think uh, I, could, I could understand him going at that right now um, with what he did. He obviously faded hard during the season. Um, but I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, I think it's going to depend on a couple of things. I probably wouldn't personally, um, but I could see why somebody would, um, depending on the system. I mean, it's going to depend on um, if, uh, you know, what what happens at the receiver position for them. And um, I think that's still up in the air, right, in terms of uh, um, if the, are they going to get all their players back and what's going to happen there. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts and his development. But, uh, you know he's got a possibility to do really well if if he's if he's the man if he's given that shot you know I think the question comes down to is he going to get that shot I mean if I uh, if I'm the Falcons I'm looking at free agency and I'm looking in the draft to you know to 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 probably build on that position um, he's been in the league a few years never quite been used as a, as a running back like he was the, you know this past year more obviously as a receiver with like the Bears and whatnot but uh, and a return a kick returner but. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's going to depend on what they do in the draft and free agency. Um, so, but if you're drafting in one of these early leagues, you know, um, you know, <laughs> roll the dice, right? It's a good dice to roll, buddy, because you know, in that situation, you're looking at how productive he's been, how productive Samuel's been. There's got a lot. Of, there's a lot of copycats in this league, and I'm sure he's looking for a good place to play, and that. Uh, and the Atlanta might need to come to their senses and re-up him. I, I tell you where there's a lot of moving parts in um, front offices right now is, is what's going on in New England. There's a lot of players moving in and out of there. And I'm wondering if we can settle on the fact of just exactly what the backfield there is going to look like. Is it Harris and is it Stevenson? And is it just those two? We've always dealt with a three-headed monster in the New England backfield. Sometimes another guy always shows up and, and takes some of the carries away. But I looked it up before the show tonight. Just shy of 500 rushes by the running backs last year in New England. Stevenson had 133 of them. So isn't that enough for these two backs? And your answer means a lot to me because I'm on my third FFPC uh, slim tournament and I've yet to, to get either of these backs and I and they're going to uh, Harris is going in the sixth or seventh Stevenson I think is going in the ninth and you know if you can cut up 400 plus carries between these two backs uh, you're looking at something that could really make some paydays in, in fantasy football how do you see it and is this a backfield that you're looking to get involved with 
I'm going to say yes, um, which is uh, remarkable because in pretty much every year prior, I'd say no because <laughs> there's mm-hmm. so, many, um, so many heads in that backfield. Um, I think they've settled on these two guys, um, and uh, they're both super talented guys. I'm, uh, Balky, I don't know if, I, if we talked about this last time I was on the show. I, I'm an OU Sooner fan, um, so I'm very familiar with Ramondre Stevenson, and I knew the kind of talent he had coming out of college. Um, not a lot of people. He kind of went a little bit under the radar, right, because he missed some games with that suspension um, and then started coming on. But um, if he can come into camp the way that he did last year, um, because he lost like about 10 pounds, and so he got even quicker um, to go with, you know, the the tough style running that he's got. And he's got pretty soft hands. I I really like him, you know, at round nine, round 10. Um, And I'd prefer that over, over Damian at like round six or seven. I still think Damian's, you know, going to have a good season. I don't know if I'd like him there, though, that, that high. But I do think those guys, to your point, um, I think that the New England's going to continue running the ball. That's going to be a staple as they, you know, as they keep developing their, their pass game. Um, you know, with, um, with their, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to probably bolster up that wide receiver position a little bit this year. Um, but uh, I think those guys are going to get plenty of touches. So, yeah, I, 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 I like both of them, but I like Stevenson a little bit better um, in terms of where he's going. Jeff, um, let's talk about a player that you – we just talked about Patterson. You owned him in multiple leagues. You also owned Dalton Schultz in, in a bunch of leagues last year, and he's another guy who is headed to free agency. Now, it sounds like Dallas wants to bring him back, although they got some cap issues uh, you know, uh, themselves. But you look at where he's going right now, tight end 10 at the 804. Um, we assume he's back in Dallas. We don't know for sure. If you're looking at grabbing a tight end in the eighth round, is Dalton Schultz a guy that you would want to, uh, to zero in on there as a guy who could potentially be your number one or potentially number two starter, uh, number two tight end? Definitely. Um, you know, if you, get, if you can get Dalton Schultz in eighth or ninth round, um, heck yeah. I know that, again, it's, it's, you know, again, we're talking about if you're drafting now versus, you know, drafting, you know, uh, around Labor Day, right? It's a big difference there. Um, when you know kind of the, the, the lay of the land, you know, with Schultz, though, um, back to Dallas, um, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to play. Um, him, him and Dak have, have some chemistry. And one of the things, and I'll, I'll just say this, that, that has always helped me uh, in my drafts is, is, you know, really um, the guys that are in the camps, right? Now, sometimes you get some boneheads, right, that, uh, um, like the guy up there, uh, like we were talking about, Farrell was talking about earlier with uh, Jamar Chase, right, that writes some silly stuff. Um, but the guys that are in camps, uh, paying attention to those guys because you can get, you can gleam a lot. Um, for instance, a lot of people um, with that other uh, the other tight end that um, was coming back. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, the guy that got hurt. Jarwin was uh, come. Yeah, Jarwin. Well, yeah, Blake, Blake Jarwin. Jarwin. Everyone was saying Jarwin was going to be. You know, they were just going off a name. Uh, but everyone that was in camp said Schultz was taking the majority of the number one snaps and that he had great chemistry with Dak. So I went on what the guys in the camp were saying. Um, it, it looked the same way a little bit in the, in the couple of times that you got to see them together in, in the uh, preseason, um, which wasn't much, right? But um, I went off of what the guys in the camp were saying, and it paid off. Um, I either, you know, he was a guy uh, that I targeted all three of my teams. I think I had him on two of my teams. One one team I picked him up the very first round of free agency, and then the other um, team I did draft him, and I'm thinking um, either 19 or 20, something like that. So, um, so I think he's, you know, I think he's got great chemistry with Dak. Um, and, and there's just a lot of those players in the NFL. Um, maybe not the most talented as position, but um, has a knack for getting open and just has a thing with his quarterback. The quarterback trusts him. I, I think of a guy like Hunter Renfro, right? Kind of in the same boat. <laughs> Mm, that's a great trust to develop. I, I've drafted a little bit too um, already in the the seventy seven dollar classic leagues, and and uh, those are fun leagues to to just draft to your heart's content. And I love tight ends, and I've been I've been over drafting Schultz. I've been putting him up in the sixth round. Uh, there's one team over there that thirteen players. I've got five tight ends already. I'm gonna get a sixth one before it's over. I don't know who it is. But, but you know what? I don't care when you're drafting guys. I don't care if it's the main event team. I don't care if it's now and when we're together. Uh at Planet Hollywood and the FFPC. Uh there's one thing that you can take to the bank, in my opinion. 
I want to see, Jeff, if you share this opinion. That's about Jalen Waddle. Fantastic rookie year catching the ball. Now he gets Mike McDaniel coming in as the coach. Now, I won't talk about Mike McDaniel for too long, but I could talk about him for the rest of the show. And I've I've known him since he's a 21-year-old running back coach in Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento Mountain Lions. Uh, yeah, Balky, he had McLeod, Bethel Thompson out there. That's how far. Ah, oh, there you go. Guy. But let me tell you, there's one stat that I absolutely love from the San Francisco 49ers: more yards after catch than any team. Now, sure, that has something to do with the wide receivers, but it also has something to do with the offense. It has something to do with the physicality of the receivers. But in my, in, in my mind, Waddle is so slippery. He reminds me somewhat of Chase in that he can't be brought down. You can't get hands on him. If you take just the number of catches that he had last year and add four yards to his catching average, you're going to have a bonanza of fantasy points. Am I seeing this too much through rose-colored glasses or Jalen Waddle? I don't think you can overdraft him. He's going in the third round now, and when we see him in this offense – um, from what they're going to be doing down in Miami, I think he'll be a second rounder in September. Uh, do you feel the same way, Joe? I do. I think if you can get him in three right now, you're getting the value. Um, I think mm-hmm. Miami and the Vikings are two offenses to keep an eye on. And why? Well, because you take a look at the, the, the coaching changes, um, whether it's Mike McDaniel going down to, uh, to Miami, I think highly of him as well. I don't know him personally like you do, um, Farrell, but, uh, um, I can tell you, you know, been, been an admirer of his work. And then you um, you look at the, the, the Vikings head, you know, coach just came over from the Rams. And I think they're going to they're gonna do some good things with the offenses. Um, and so I think those right. players are going to benefit from that. And then you take that and combine that with his talent. Like you said, he is he's so slippery. Um, I could see him easily. Um, I don't think he's going to move up in the first round, but uh, I could easily see him by, by the time uh, – we roll around the Labor Day going in the round two. Um, I think he's that talented, and and he's got a great connection with Tua as well. Let's 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 admit that as well, right? Tua Tua looks his way. <laughs> sure. Couple of uh, emails that came in for you here, Jeff, and we'll we'll get to them right now. Danny in Philadelphia uh, writes: uh, a lot of people will be high on uh, the Bengals in drafts this year after their Super Bowl run. Which one of their skill players do you think will be the biggest bust? in 2022 uh that thanks jeff that is from danny in philadelphia um so obviously we we touched a little bit on on higgins and and chase earlier um just to give you an idea in in addition we were talking about this in the in the in the chat room joe burrow is going at the 509 uh right now you have chase going at the 106 you have t higgins um going at the 308 and then joe mixon is going at the 201. Is there a player uh, in those Bengals that I mentioned, or maybe a Bengal I didn't mention, um, Jeff, that you think is, is going to be a bust this year at those price points? Boy, I think if they all stay healthy, I, I don't think so. I think, I think they're, you know, I think all those, those guys are super talented. Um, Joe Mixon, maybe 201, maybe that's a little rich for, for, for my blood for him. Um, but he's got all the talent in the world. Again, having followed him at OU, um, five-star out of high school, the, the guy's got all the talent in the world. Um, I, I don't know that they get him the ball as much as they should. Um, I think he should be he should be getting the rock on a few of those third downs and not Samjay Perrine because um, he's no U alum too that I'm, I'm familiar with. But uh, um, I, I think that if Burrow stays healthy, I think he's got all the talent in the world, and I think both Chase and T. Higgins are going to have strong years. Um, Chase going at one, uh, you know, one six, like you said, doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I'd feel very comfortable taking him there. Um, and T Higgins in the third round, that, that, that sounds about right. Um, I'm trying to remember where, um, I think, uh, when I, when I, where I got T Higgins, I want to say it was, uh, um, somewhere around, uh, um, gosh, I think five away around, around five. Yeah, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Um, one other email that, that we have here, Jeff, for you, and, and this has to do with uh, the Vikings. It actually comes from Ed in Herman, Minnesota. He uh, writes, which, which of my Vikings are a better value right now in the never-too-early FFPC tournament? Justin Jefferson at 109 or Dalvin Cook at 110? You have the number one receiver and the number one running back for the Vikings going back-to-back 
one of those guys represent more of a value over the other one? I mean, if you had the 109 or the 110, Jeff, would you be looking at uh, Jefferson or Cook first? I definitely would lean on Jefferson. Um, I think he's going to have a huge year. Again, just, you know, immense talent coming coming out of college and LSU and just uh, um, the chemistry he has with with, – with Cousins, I think, uh, you know, we're not entirely sure what's going to happen with Thielen, right? Um, there's been some talk about what they're going to do there. Um, so I like Jefferson at, at, at that pick. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, someone else did not sleep on. Um, he got hurt and he didn't play last year. But Irv Smith, um, don't sleep on him either for the Vikings. You know, he could play a big role this year and he could be a, a steal for somebody because um, I don't think a lot, of, a lot of folks are going to be thinking about him having missed all last year with that injury. Good point. Good point. Well, you know, to put a put a point on this podcast, uh, and and I don't know these financial questions. Uh, you know, Jeff, I'll ask <laughs> anyone anything. I, I mean, you know, I, I just just so naturally nosy. But you, you've already told me. And how old of a man are you, sir? Well, uh, I'll be. Uh, I'm fifty. I'm I'm right at that uh, golden age, as I like oh, to call it. So uh, that is. Um, uh, I'm doing good. You are a true youngster, my friend. And let me tell you, <laughs> you've uh, you, you've lived a life. You're a man of experience. You have a a sleep deprived wife, who, and it probably makes this question uh, <laughs> not even necessary. But uh, $100,000 is a big payday. Congratulations. Uh, Balky and I are only dreaming about that payday. You and our, our good friend here in Louisville, Craig Campbell, have have, deli- have won similar amounts from the FFPC this year. But I'll get to my question because I, I started to answer this question on what if I had won the money, and, and we'll save that for another night. But I'm interested in what you're <laughs> going to do with this 100 k after you fulfill uh, the necessities of the United States federal government and your uh, state taxing authority? Well, uh, Farrell, my wife's already spent it all. No, I'm just I'm just There joking. you go. Uh, I knew <laughs> that. I knew that. The, the, the first thing they teach you in law school, you only ask questions that you know the answer to. So, you know, I've, I showed up for that day, and now I know how to do this. So congratulations, sir. You'll have a... You'll have an unfettered life for the rest of your career in fantasy football because you turned over that check and, uh, you know, the world is your uh, fantasy football oyster, sir. Yeah, no, it's uh, – it, she, yeah, she hasn't spent all. We, uh, we, we Actually, we invested more than half of it. So um, it's not Ooh. all spent and uh, um, hopefully going uh, to make us some money. Uh, you still have to pay some taxes on that, right, Balky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately that's the dirty secret, right? Mm. Exactly, exactly. So uh but uh but yeah, it's uh you know, I've had the I've had the fortune of, you know, winning obviously several times over the over the decades and winning some money, but no, nothing ever in six figures like this. So, um it was definitely like I said super exciting and uh um it was uh it was definitely hopefully I can uh, I can I can find a way to repeat that this year and run that back. <laughs> Good well, man. and that's the goal, right? I mean, you, you, to go to go six figures back to back. I mean, how many people have ever done that? Very, very few. In fact, it might be a B-Bag Batova. I'm not sure anybody else has ever done that before. But in order to do that, you're going to have to be dialed in as best as possible on your sleepers and on your bus. So our, our last question for you here, Jeff, I know it's early and, and you. I don't believe you've drafted yet, but um, given given what you know, what you saw in 2021, what you think is going to happen um, as we get closer and closer to main event time in August and September, who's a player that you think will be going early on in drafts that you don't want to have anything to do with this season? And then a player that you think high stakes owners are going to let slip to the mid part of the draft, the latter part of the draft that you're going to be all over. Yeah. And I typically in the FFPC, which I've, I've played, gosh, coming up on close to two decades now. Uh, I usually like to, to draft, start draft in June, July. I like to at least get through free agency and the draft to kind of see where where guys land and how things play out. Um, so uh, I, I admire the guys uh, in these early early drafts uh, putting putting teams together. Uh, they're way smarter than I am, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'd say you know I'd say you know going into to you know uh, <laughs> staying away from players round one. I you know I'm I'm leaning. Toward 
they did last year. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm sold on getting any running back in round one, no matter who it is and who's available. Um, I think you said uh, um, uh, Taylor's going uh, number one. I did pick him up this year on one of my three, three teams in FFPC, but I think I got him in like round three. Um, I just think with round one, you just don't know too many of these situations. And it's pretty rich. I'd rather take somebody – um, like like Jamar Chase or in the FFPC somebody like a Kelsey or a Kittle, um, uh, you know, a tight end because because of the uh, the weight the, the extra weight that you get for those um, receptions. I, I to me that just has more value. So I'll probably stay away from running backs in round one, and um, and then just I guess uh, for a couple of the players I like, um, I already mentioned um, uh, uh, Ir- Ir- Irv uh, the t- the tight end for the uh, for the Vikings. I think he's healthy. Yeah, Irv Smith exactly. Um, he'll 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 have a great year um, and uh, super talented guy. Um, I love Amon St. Brown. I picked him up on two of my teams later. Uh, I think late November, early December on two of my teams in uh, on the waiver wire. Got him for cheap. Um, you could start to see a chemistry forming with him and uh, and uh, uh, Goff out there in Detroit. You know, and Goff is a guy that you know he doesn't have necessarily the biggest arm. So again, I love I love uh, Amon uh, St. Brown. I, I don't know what he's going in in the in the uh, rounds if he's considered a mid rounder guy, but uh, that's a guy. And Hunter Henry, uh, tight end for uh, for Patriots, is another guy. I don't know what, what he's going, but I think uh, he's another guy that uh, um, may not be at the top of everyone's list, but you can maybe get a deal with him. Uh, just to uh, recap that, the, the wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver 25, he's going at the 602 right now. So obviously his finish to 2021 has uh, has upped his value in, in the eyes of high-stakes players in the FFPC, at least when the uh, never-too-early best ball uh, tournament is concerned. Um, Hunter Henry, tight end 17 at the 1101 uh, right now. That's after Tyler Higby, and it's right before another guy Jeff mentioned. That's Irv Smith, tight end 18 at the 1108, that is right before Evan Engram. So that's sort of where those guys are lying. I think those two tight ends definitely qualify for the, the middle of the draft for sure, and, and especially if you wait on tight end or maybe you want to load up and grab one of those guys as your number two tight end, I think that would make a lot of sense there. And certainly we are going to take the advice of a man who won $100,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship <laughs> last year, beating out thousands and thousands and thousands uh, of teams to get that six-figure grand prize, follow him on Twitter at Harvester of Sorrow. Uh, it is Jeff Volpe. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Enjoy that money, and good luck with the investments. And and uh, let's do this again real soon, maybe after you cash uh, 500000 in the Football Guys Players Championship this year. That'd be great. We'll, we'll make that a deal. So, Balky, great talking to you again. <laughs> Farrell, again, uh, great to meet you, and uh, appreciate it. So, uh, thanks, guys. Thank thanks, you, Jeff. Jeff. We appreciate you. The Harvester of Sorrow himself, Jeff Volpe, the runner-up in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. And I think one of the things, you know, the biggest takeaways, and, and you know, I, I think that he is very strong in his convictions, as most of our guests are, Farrell. But one of the things I, I think is, is always important to remember, especially if you're not just drafting one Football Guys team or if you're just, you know, not drafting one best ball tournament or one main event team, um, you know, it's it's fun to win your 12-team league, and obviously, you know, it's much easier to get to the championship round if you win your 12-team league. But at the same time, I mean, you are going for that six figures. You're going for that half million. In the main event this year, you're going for the million. And one of the things that Jeff stressed when he was building his team, he had the go big or go home mentality. And, and sometimes I, I, I think that is, you know, you got to take these home run swings. And that's totally important if you're drafting right now in the FFPC or the KFFSC, it's all a level playing field. You know, we're all sort of drafting blind, which sort of makes it fun. Well, I mean, it obviously makes it fun, um, but you got to take those home run swings, man. Yeah. And you, you, that's exactly right, Balky. And you've got to, that's what drafting early people say, Oh, there's so much uncertainty in drafting early. Well, you'd be surprised how little there is and good players are going to find their way to play. Just what we said about Pittman tonight what we believe Waddle's situation will be further enhanced by the new coach. And you just, you're hoping that when you draft Waddle, that they sign a coach that knows how to utilize him. Because I had lots of players say, Waddle, Waddle catches a great deal of passes, but they just don't use him right. They want to see him downfield. They want to see him in other situations. So it, it's, uh, 
to me, whenever you draft, it's 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 a blast. It's a great amount of strategy involved. But now you can sort of use your process of understanding football. It's just like Dave and, and Leroy did with Penny. They realized that he's a free agent. That gives him uh, much more uh, upside value than he does if he just had to return to Seattle. We think he goes back to Seattle, but they didn't exercise that option for a reason. So let's see what happens with him. Be an interesting player to see in a new location. A couple of interesting players that we're going to talk about here in the uh, to kick things off in fantasy feedback, and that's one player we already talked about and another one that we're going to get into here. Actually, before we do that um, – um, something that was brought up during the uh, Jeff Volpe interview, Farrell. Um, Hudson uh, Reeve wants to know if uh, you like Jalen Waddle this year better than Chase Claypool. Has Waddle leapfrogged Claypool for you? Well, yes, of course. But I also <laughs> like. We just wanted to make sure, man. We just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, because we're 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 talking about Claypool at a at a much more affordable price, and I really do like where Claypool's going. Uh, have you got a mojo on it, Balky? Can you get it real quick? Yeah, because I really I, like actually, what's going on with Claypool, and I think about what might happen with the quarterback that could come into Pittsburgh and what would happen with Claypool to the quarterback. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Claypool very much still. Yeah, and we had the Dizzle actually point out in the, uh, in the chat earlier, wide receiver 42, he's going at the 901 right now, Claypool. That's up crazy. after Robinson and Darius Toney. And uh, it's right before Cortland Sutton and Tyler Boyd. Um, let's talk about a couple of receivers that are going much higher. Um, than, uh, than those guys that I just mentioned now. And it comes to us in the form of an email, Mike from Blue Island, Illinois. Hi, guys. Which receiver do you guys like better at the turn this year, Tyreek Hill or Justin Jefferson? Thanks so much. Thanks for the email, Mike in Blue Island, Illinois. These guys are indeed going at the turn, Farrell. Um, you look at um, uh, Jefferson going at the 109, Tyreek Hill going at the 111 right now. Um, so Jefferson is going higher. Are FFPC drafters getting that right, or should Hill be first off the board? Mm, my answer to our friend is whichever one you can get. Um, I like Jefferson for the reason that Jeff announced new coaches, new opportunities. We've seen um, Tyreek Hill's best, and it is glorious. But uh, I don't know if we've seen Jefferson's best. So in that case, uh, I'm going to Jefferson. And there's a there's a, a number of arguments you can make for either player. And you know what? You would be right, Bucky. There's no wrong answer. There. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I still look at it like who's who's the target hog, right? Who's going to have the biggest target share? And to me, it's still Jefferson. I mean, Hills Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey is has not fallen off the face of the earth. Patrick Mahomes still looks at him. You think about that monster game he had in the playoffs. I mean. To me, it's it, it's got to be Jefferson, and you know, just when you look at the pure volume that he gets, that's who I am going with there. Moving on to John in Garfield Heights, Ohio. What's up, Balky and Farrell? When it comes to Mike Gesicki and Logan Thomas, are you guys leaning towards one over the other in redraft leagues this season? Thank you, John. Appreciate the email from you. Um, these guys also are going fairly close uh, in in um, in the FFPC drafts right now. Uh, Gesicki tight end 13 at the 10.03. Logan Thomas tight end 14. uh, He goes at the 10.07. They're about a third of a round apart. I mean, that's Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby territory there. Um, Gesicki with Tungavailoa and obviously the new head coach there. Logan Thomas, we'll see what they do at quarterback. So there's a lot of question marks between these two. I lean towards the talent, and and I would go Gesicki here over Thomas. I think Gasicki here is an easy choice over Thomas, and and we're we're thumbs up on Gasicki, and we want to see what can happen with the new coaching staff. He will separate this player with the, the the athletic skills that he has from the other tight ends that are on the roster. They went very very heavy uh, with their lineups uh, with the tight ends uh, previously. Uh, I expect to see in Miami a fullback. Uh, in the backfield this year and, and, and less uh, heavy sets with the tight ends. And so Gasicki should be the one tight end on the field. Logan Thomas cannot stay healthy. And if a young quarterback comes into the fold here and he'll be a move quarterback, I don't know if that really uh, makes Logan Thomas and enhances his game. 
Um, no, Gasicki's the easy choice here, and, and I think uh, the other tight ends you mentioned going around these players, uh, I would take them before Logan Thomas. We, uh, we're going to save the rest of the emails for next week. We're going to end with one more question from the chat room here, and it comes from uh, our very own uh, Ivy League professor, Hudson Kern-Reed. Oh. He says, what he gets a lot of play on the show, and he should. He does get a lot of play, yes, yeah. No, I mean, he um, should. He, he's already... He wants... Yes. Um, we should be learning from him, quite frankly. Um, yes. He wants to know, Farrell, ru- what rookie quarterback – are we most excited about? Now, there's a lot of rookie quarterbacks this year, and and to me, none of them. Now, there could be one that still goes top ten, top five, or whatever, because it always seems like it's an arms race, pun intended, when we get closer and closer to the draft, <laughs> that um, that teams start putting the, these emphasis or emphases on the on the quarterback position. But you have Malik Willis, the dual threat, who really showed out in the Senior Bowl. You have Kenny Pickett, Mister Fake Slide himself. Out of Pittsburgh, don't forget about Sam Howell, the Florida State transfer, turned into North Carolina Tar Heel. So you have all those guys you're looking at right there. I don't know if any of them stands out for, uh, to me so much. Um, and when that happens, I usually lean to the guy that uses his legs the most, and that was Malik Willis. I like the dual threat there. That's the guy I'd probably be most excited about in Dynasty, and perhaps redraft too as a quarterback three. People are going to get tired of uh, hearing me say his name, but Matt Corral is my guy. Now, Pickett is a fantastic quarterback. And if you want a traditional quarterback, much like what you saw with Mac Jones, a, a guy that can make all the throws, go through the progressions, be a real pro, he spent a lot of time at Pitt, he's well-schooled and well-prepared to play in the NFL. Uh, Corral is more of the riverboat gambler, the next coming of a Brett Favre-type quarterback out of the state of Mississippi. And, and I really like that player, given the opportunity that he will go in the first round to a team that can put him on the field. So of, of the, and Malik Willis is, is an interesting player. and um, yeah, but, but if you're going to go two, I'm going to take Pickett with the best, is, is the best of the traditional quarterbacks, and Corral is, is the player with the most upside, the most fascinating, the most Jalen Hurts kind of a quarterback that could be coming into the league, and that's where we expect fantasy uh, numbers to to reside with players that can win with their arm and their legs. And so uh, Corral is my guy. Yeah, Dave, uh, the Dizzle Gerzak pointing out Corral is a baller name for a riverboat gambler quarterback. You can't corral that boy. Uh, is the quote we get from him. <laughs> and what a what a great way to end it. Yeah, and I think you do make some good points, not only about Pickett but Corral as well, and and we shall see. Listen, we're going to get into much, much more Dynasty talk over the course of the next, uh, you know, two and a half months, whatever it is, and we'll get some Dynasty champions on here to give their thoughts as well. Cannot wait to do it, and I'd only do it with the one, the only, the incomparable Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Follow him on Twitter, at KFFSC and at J. Farrell Elliott. And as I look at that uh, Super Sunday, um, uh, the final draft that is going on Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time, looking to fill that one. Two spots remaining, so make sure you are jumping in. And as Farrell said, don't be a wish I had. Get in now. Mm-hmm. Farrell, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll do this again next Friday. Thank you, brother. We'll see you then. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, want to thank him. And I want to thank our guest tonight, Jeff Volpe, of course, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and each and every one of you. Um, this, um, I believe, will mark, yes, it, uh, next week we will be doing um, another show with another six-figure winner. This is the midst of we're doing three straight shows with three straight six-figure winners this season. Um, and next week we'll be back at it with the 2021-2022 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge $500,000 champion and longtime FFPC player Chuck Root. He will be our guest next week. Cannot wait to talk to Chuck about uh, 2022 drafts and how he won that half million and um, maybe that his wife spent it all already. I don't know what we'll get into. Remember to register for the inaugural Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament over at myffpc.com. Don't forget about the dozens of Dynasty Orphans that just got posted within the last 24 hours over at myffpc.com slash 
Dynasty for sale. Plenty of slow drafts, live drafts, sit-and-go, best ball options, those closed 12-team leagues. Uh, if you're looking for those, that's available at myffpc.com as well. And as I said, two spots left in the Super Sunday Championship League over at kffsc.com. You can draft with myself and um, and uh, a bunch of, of talented fantasy football drafters. I don't know how I wedged my way in there, but you can take advantage of me. <laughs> and then, of course, register for the million-dollar grand prize by signing up for the FFPC main event at myffpc.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck. We'll talk to you again next week. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. My apologies to uh, those of you who are looking for some Packers and Buccaneers uh, best ball analysis. I promise you that we will get to that next week. Terry in Birmingham, Alabama. Tom in Berkeley, California. I have your emails as well. We will get to those next week with Chuck Root, Farrell Elliott, and yours truly. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe and have a great weekend.